Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Hello, and welcome to the Talking Biotech podcast. It's the weekly podcast about agriculture and medicine with an emphasis on biotechnology with the good things it can do for the people and the planet. My name is Modesta Abugu. I'm a graduate student at the Department of Horticultural Sciences, University of Florida. And I'm happy to be here again as a guest host of another episode, which promotes biotech innovation from people in different parts of the world. I'm here today with Kylie Everso at the Plant and Animal Genome Conference in San Diego. Kylie is the president of Everso Associates and the executive director of the International Wheat Genome Sequencing Consortium. She's also the execu- executive director of International Alliance for Phytobiomes Research and the convener of Women in Genomics at Fudge. Welcome, Kylie. Yeah, thank you very much, Modesta. It's an amazing profile and career life that you've had so far, and I'm really excited to have had the chance to hear some of it from you. And could we start getting to know some more about your research, your career life? Sure. So I uh, I came to where I am today in a very uh, by a very strange route. <laughs> I ended up in uh, Washington D.C working as an intern in the United States Senate and then was offered a job before I even completed my degree and uh, stayed in Washington and worked in the U.S. Senate on agricultural issues uh, for 10 years and then started uh, my company with a focus on, and this, by the way, was during the time that plant biotech was just starting. So this was the 1980s when it was just coming out. And um, so I had the privilege of being in the, uh, a staff member in the Senate when they were introducing this whole concept to, uh, to Congress. And um, then I started uh, my company, uh, in, uh, started in 1991 with a focus on uh, plant and, and animal biotechnology because after working in the, in the Senate and seeing all of the different policies that had been put in place for economic development and, uh, and in particular for agricultural uh, producers, it seemed to me that when you look at it historically, the only time that farmers ever really made money and could survive is through innovation. And innovation became, you know, throughout history, the thing that allowed farmers to make a living and allowed them to meet the demands of their, their own environment, et cetera. So I really wanted to, to be engaged in uh, helping to promote the use of technology in agriculture and bringing that technology to growers all around the world. And so that started my career and then, uh, or started my company, Eversole Associates at that time. And then in 1994, I was asked by the U.S. National Corn Growers Association 
to lead an effort to get the maize genome sequenced. And that was uh, at the beginning of the genomics era. And it was really great to be around a group of farmers who knew technology would be really important. And that innovation, such as having a genome sequence so that they could innovate more effectively and, and bring uh, varieties to the market more rapidly would be an important thing. So I did that for a number of years, but then uh, and then led uh, the sequencing of a number of the livestock species, the cow, the pig, uh, was involved in the chicken and then the companion sequencing of a number of companion animals as well as the sheep uh, genome and then was asked to lead the international wheat genomes or to create the international wheat genome sequencing consortium in 2005 and that led to a, a long effort of trying to get a gen high quality genome sequence for wheat which is the mo one of the most complicated plants in the world and certainly the most complicated crop plant and uh, very large, larger than uh, five times larger than the human genome, in fact. So it was very difficult. Um, but what was interesting to me was that everyone said it could not be done. So that meant it could be done as far as I was concerned. It just took an additional effort. So that's been uh, one aspect, but as the more we got engaged, the more knowledge we had about um, the genetics of plant varieties, the more it became aware, it became, I became aware of the need to think beyond just one system. And to really address agriculture and to, to develop sustainability at each farm level is really the way to move forward. And to do that, we have to understand that complex system. So that led really led me to being involved in what became the International Alliance for Phytobiomes Research, which is this idea that we want to put a plant in an, an environment. And that plant in a biome is what we should really be looking at, and not just the plant in the biome, but looking at all of the interactions that affect that, from management practices to such as when do you apply nutrients to which plant variety, what's the best plant, what's the most sustainable practices for that particular farm, not what's the most sustainable on average, because on average, in fact, is what keeps farmer income down. We need to help growers optimize what's the best thing for their particular farm. And then combining that even with, well, you know, are there varieties of a particular crop that are best suited for one particular farm? And that's where, again, we come back to, to technology. You know, we have to have the technology pipeline bringing all of this back together. And so that's really where I have been focused and, uh, have never lost my interest in biotech and have uh, on beginning in 2007 have been involved in an effort to make um, getting through the regulatory process easier for specialty crops and for uh, small uh, companies and public uh, crop developers. And uh, we still do some of that uh, as a volunteer. I do it as a volunteer.
in trying to really work to make sure that everyone has access to biotechnology and to the tools of, of biotechnology. Wow, that's an amazing story you have there. And in the midst of it, you, you've, you've been a, a, a strong advocate for biotech for a very long time, and you set up the Women in Genomics yeah. platform. What is the story? So the, it was really interesting in the early days of genomics. It's like what happens in many technologies. The moment something, there's a new tool or a new toy developed, the men seem to kind of overtake that uh, community, and women are often very few. And in the early years of the plant genome effort, so this dating back uh, to 1994, when I was initially engaged, there were very few women involved in, in plant genomics. And at this conference in particular, there were very few women. And one night, uh, we were in La Jolla having dinner. There was uh, there were four women who were kind of at the forefront of leading some of the plant genomics efforts. Uh, one was Mary Clutter from the National Science Foundation. Another was Machi Dilworth, also from the U.S. National Science Foundation. The other one was Judy St. John from the USDA. Uh, Agricultural Research Service, and then there was me who was leading an effort to uh, really raise the visibility and awareness of the need to have uh, genome sequences and plant genome funding and resources devoted to agriculturally relevant crops. And, you know, not even thinking about it, we looked around and we said, you know, here, here we are talking about what's the future, what should be the future of plant genomics, and we were all women. And we thought, this is a good thing. And Mary Clutter, in fact, um, who we unfortunately lost this past year, is the one who always believed that if you got a group of women together, they could solve anything. Exactly. And that is really what drove, drove that. And so it became kind of an annual event that we would, you know, get away from the stress and the pressure of, of, of a highly competitive field and go out and just have a good time and network. And uh, so it just, it sort of began like that with the four of us. The next year, I think we had, I don't know, maybe 10 because we just kind of, it was word of mouth. It was always word of mouth uh, until last year. But um, we just really felt that we wanted to not only uh, look at who was who these people were they three of them not me but the other three controlled all of the funding for plant genomics in the US and given that wouldn't it be great if we could have young scientists who could sit down beside someone who is a program manager or who has control over you know a lot of funding and tell them how easy it is to get funding and to encourage them Absolutely. And so that's really how it started, and then it expanded to be an international network fairly rapidly, and both on plants and animals. And that was the other aspect about it, because I was working with some of the livestock genomics as well as the plants. We were able to bring in scientists from diverse uh, disciplines, and that was really interesting to see how that would move forward. But it's always been, you know, what can we do? 
to network amongst each other, to promote each other, to help support uh, other women to get speaking positions, um, just to be able to, to know someone. Who could be a member of Women in Genomics? Any woman with an interest in genomics um, can be in women genomics. You can. We don't have any kind of a formal membership. You can go to our website <clears throat> and register. We only have right now one event a year, and it's the annual dinner here in San Diego in January. Uh, but the website is www.womeningenomics.org, and you can register and get on the list. And we hope as the young generation starts taking over this effort that there will be, uh, that they'll take it and run with it and even expand it even further. So that, I mean, one of the things we would really like to do is to, you know, have workshops that are really focused on women in genomics and uh, also to try to have uh, travel awards for women in genomics to different conferences and, um, you know, really to, to uh, even to serve as a resource so that someone could connect one of the other members and say, I'm looking for a speaker who can talk about, um, you know, uh, swine genomics or swine genetics. Do you know anybody? And try to promote women in that regard. And uh, I always had a hope that at some point uh, in other places, women would take that pull and carry the flag and have their own dinners. Um, and maybe someday that will happen. But, you know, I hope that they will uh, at least get engaged at this level. And We are still talking with Kyle Everso, the president of Everso Associates and the convener of Women in Genomics at Patch, among other things. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hello, Talking Biotech listeners. Last week, almost immediately after the episode went live, things started to change. In the days after the last episode, I met with my university's administration, and in short, I likely will be allowed to continue hosting the Talking Biotech podcast. The paperwork has been submitted, and it will be allowed to be continued with zero university affiliation, as it always was at least not my university. I did have offers from faculty in other places, from Switzerland to Colorado to Israel, offering to host and produce the podcast. So it was great to feel some love. And there was going to be a hiatus, a gap in the series. Then this week, the wonderful Modesta Bugu drops three interviews into the inbox. <laughs> I was so happy and you couldn't wipe the smile off my face. I am so grateful to her. So thank you, Modesta. You're the besta. <laughs> but we're not out of the woods yet. If I come back, we'll likely have to monetize this venture to raise funds to hire someone to do production and the website, advertise elsewhere, promote this thing in social media. I'd like to do more kinds of media and expand this audience. So that's the plan. We're at a watershed. And I learned an important lesson that I teach all the time but then failed my own test. Don't quit. I did, and it was a mistake. Even if my institution told me to quit, I should have dialed it up, done more outreach, not less. This is a positive and worthwhile venture, 
and that is important, and it represents a beautiful archive. And the acceptance of these technologies is changing. It's fun to think that maybe this series might have contributed a little bit to that change. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all the kind support. Thank you for everything. Follow Modesta on Twitter. Send her a note for being so wonderful. And let's hope there's no more big surprises as we try to move this podcast forward into the future. And now we are back on the Talking Biotech podcast and we are speaking with Kylie Everso about the Women in Genomics dinner at Padge. So Kylie, could you tell us more about the the, the dinner that you always organize every year at yeah. the Padge sure. conference? So one of our objectives has have, has really been to give a forum for young scientists, young women scientists to get to know some of the more senior scientists and to network with them um, to potentially develop projects or simply to get advice, either career advice or simple things like how, you know, you're a very, you're sitting next to someone who's a a distinguished scientist with an illustrious career and they also have a family. How do they manage that? You know, how do they manage and balance family with maintaining a very highly successful career in science and technology? You know, to give those kinds of of opportunities. And you know, in, in the other aspect, and I've already seen it from our dinner we had just the other night, that we know a number of the the women are are finishing their postdocs or they're finishing their masters or their doctoral uh, studies and now they're looking for their next position so we can serve as a resource for you know making suggestions on what the job opportunities might be or even you know to think a little bit outside the box don't think about you know so many of the degree programs are set up for people to become academicians and yet the jobs are not in academia. The majority of the jobs are outside of academia and they can get ideas from both women who are in industry and in academia as to what some of the other opportunities might be beyond their their initial thoughts. So that that's one important aspect. And I think generally one of our, our roles is to... Uh, promote women and to be mentors for women and to provide whatever resources we can because it's even though we've made a lot of advance advances uh, over the years there's still a a lot of undetected or or, gen, or unintentional uh, bias uh, against women so we really want to make sure they're well represented and workshops and that we have early career, that you always have early career uh, individuals in workshops. That's one of the things we did in the, in the consortia that, um, in any of the consortia that I've been involved with, we've, when we have a workshop, we always try to have an early career scientist, that we make an effort to reach out to early career and we've even with the international wheat genome sequencing consortium we've been able to have the funds to in fact support 
and give a, a, uh, an early career award and provide financial support to bring an early career person to the meeting. And as it turns out, the majority have been women. And that's, you know, it is a fair process. Right. But the, what's really amazing to me is that and this has been the case for many years. There's a lot of women the majority of degrees are granted in science or granted to women from mm-hmm. what I understand, yet they don't stay in science. It's incumbent upon us to be mentors for them and help them stay in science. And that's one of the things that we can do with, you know, just having someone that, you know, you know, being able to say, Oh yes, I met the program manager or I met someone in industry who is doing some fascinating work in a particular area and I'd like to do that and having the courage and the ability to call that person and say you know you know do you know of any other positions and how do I do this and so I'm we're hoping that that's has happened over the years and and hope that it expands even further. Well, I attended the dinner for the first time, and like you said, I got a chance to meet people that I would not have ever met if I was just attending the conference even. So it is a very powerful platform to meet other women who are doing amazing things in genomics. So um, do you convene uh, the week dinner at Just Badge, or are there other conferences that... So this is the only, t- the only one we've ever... Well, this is the only one consistently we've done. There was, uh, there used to be a plant genomics in Europe meeting and we tried twice to do it there (laughs) and we just didn't have the, the participation and the plant genomics in Europe meeting disappeared. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that was the, the only one, but, but, you know, for example, at at the very at the at one of our European meetings, women in genomics dinners, is where I actually met uh, one of the senior editors of Science, because she came to the the dinner. I had known one of her colleagues, who mentioned to me that she was going to be there, and so I invited her. And you know that's you know you you get to know an editor, and they tell you you know give you advice on well how to position your papers and things. So, yeah. you know, that really helps. That is interesting. Um, for, for the younger women who aspire to be scientists or maybe take up a career in the academia, what advice do you have for them? Ah, never believe that anything is impossible. Mm. You know, and we were talking um, about how women often have the imposter syndrome where they just don't think they're really qualified. And yet that's something that does not even occur to most of our counterparts. And for all young women, I think the most important thing is, is to believe in yourself. You can do it. And um, never think that something cannot be done. Maybe you have to do it over and over again, but don't sell yourself short. Um, you know, take these things that people say can't be done and do it anyway. Yeah, do it anyway. Why not? Why not? Why yeah. can't we do that? Okay, what should our listeners look out for in the future? 
in regards to you're going to, have to the, help me more in that. <laughs> in regards to maybe um, out events, women in genomics. Ah, programs so and um, I know you talked about making the shirts. And yes, so we uh, we had women in genomics shirts one year for our twentieth anniversary, uh, and that was a couple of years ago, and they're very popular, and we plan to bring them back this next year and not only make them my goal would be to not only make them available at this conference but to make it to where any woman anywhere in the world could order one of these t-shirts and and wear them and set up their own little chapter of women in genomics and just you know try to do that to me that would be the the vision of doing that one of the other things that we've talked about is you know, can we have uh, profiles on our website and periodically change them and and give uh, individuals an opportunity to 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 do that? And we're really looking. You know, I'm I've been doing this many many years, and it's time now for us to get the new ideas of the younger generation and to you know, in fact, empower the younger generation and the leadership even at this dinner. So next year, I'm hoping that it will be women like you who are actually standing up and welcoming everyone at the Women in Genomics dinner. (laughs) Okay, that could happen, (laughs) hopefully. Okay, finally, before you go, if anyone wants to learn about uh, women in genomics uh, was the website address yeah so the website for women in genomics is uh, www.womeningenomics.org and women in genomics is just all one word run together and if you have trouble finding it just google women in genomics and it should take you to a .org website and they could also uh, they can register the yes they yeah. can get on the mailing list mm-hmm. there and that will automatically give give you information. And then, as I said, um, if as the younger generation comes forward, who knows what might be on that website in the next six months? Yeah, it's going to go to many places and reach out to many people faster. Well, thank you so much, Kali, for being our guest on today's episode. It's been very very helpful having you today. And thank you all our listeners for tuning into the Talking Biotech podcast. Please help by writing a review on iTunes or share this episode over your social media networks. Your reviews, comments, and suggestions help us to share the science better. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech podcast. Send your suggestions for guests, comments, or questions to talkingbiotech at gmail.com. Please write a review of this podcast on iTunes and recommend it to a friend. More downloads help us reach a wider audience with science. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at collabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.